What's up, Mom Spaghetti listeners? I featured Ben's Been Dead's new single, Exoskeleton, in episode 17, and I'm also playing it underneath me. Ben's Been Dead was nice enough to set aside some time and interview for the pod. I snuck some snippets into episode 17, and since you're here, you already know this is the full interview. If you're looking for more by Ben's Been Dead, he recently transitioned his moniker from his birth name, Ben Thompson, where he also has music on streaming platforms, although he's in the process of moving it all over to Ben's Been Dead. He also was in a group called Emerald, E-M-R-L-D, if you can't get enough of his sound. I'm eagerly awaiting more music from Ben's Been Dead, and I'll keep you posted as he releases that new music. Without further ado, the full interview with Ben's Been Dead. We are officially recording. Awesome. So I found your song, Exoskeleton, by way of Discover Weekly on Spotify, and I really enjoyed it. Definitely going to feature it on the pod this week. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So I had some questions for you, which I know we went back and forth over email a little bit, and I just wanted to ask you about your background, how you got into music, and what the song is about, what the inspiration was for it. So I guess I would start with how did you get into music, and what was the start of your musical career? I actually started out as a producer before anything else. I started making mostly hip-hop beats and stuff on Logic Pro in 2014, I want to say. And then I started rapping with some friends and it became more apparent to me that the angry white rapper thing wasn't really going to work for me. So... (laughs) I shifted a little more. The production has always been me, so I've just developed that over time. But I started singing a little bit after I started rapping, like a year after. And ever since then, I've just kind of been trying to develop my voice. I would say I pretty much started musically in 2014. That was right after I graduated high school. And that's when I got really interested in it. Very cool. Did you play an instrument growing up or it just hit you in 2014 that you should turn to Logic Pro? (laughs) I played guitar early on and my sister, who I'm actually in another group with called Emerald, she is one of the best singers I've ever heard. So she was always singing around the house and taking vocal lessons. So I kind of picked it up from her, but I did play guitar early on. I can play a little bit now, but it's kind of in the background. My sister was really the one who was always the musical one growing up, and I kind of just picked it up from her. Is she older or younger? She's a year older than me. Okay. Yeah. And does she have stuff on Spotify, or is it just with the group? So we did the group album last year. You can find that at Emerald, E-M-R-L-D. And we actually did an entire album for her two years ago that I produced. You can find that just at Libby Thompson on Spotify. I think it's highly underrated as far as projects that I've worked on. But yeah, you can find that on Spotify and the Emerald stuff. Very cool. Well, I'll definitely check that out. Which leads me to my next question. Ben's been dead. Yeah. When did that name come about? You know, because you're part of the group Emerald. And was that always your producer name? Or, you know, I'm just curious what that means or how it came about. So I originally started out just going by my name, which is Ben Thompson. And I actually have a separate Spotify page that has all my other music under Ben Thompson. But I was doing that for a while. And then it became really apparent to me that it's just like I wanted it to be a full name. Like I always wanted to be Frank Ocean. So I was like, oh, Ben Thompson, it'll be a thing. But (laughs) when it comes down to searching for people, there's a lot of fucking Ben Thompsons out there. So it just didn't end up working out for me. So I just came up with this weird phrase of Ben's been dead. 
And I just kept saying it to myself over and over again. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'll make it my SoundCloud name. I'll just slowly start to call myself that. And then when I got around to putting out Exoskeleton, I was like, you know what? I'll put it out under this name and just see how it goes over. And I still get texts from my dad that's like, I hate your new name. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't get it. Like, it's really dark. I don't understand. And I'm like, just let me be cool for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like the name. Well, thank you. Yeah. So how long did it take you to record Exoskeleton? For that one, I originally recorded and had it all ready. And then I started working with the co-producer, Doug Schott, who did some stuff with Maggie Rogers. And he works with Ash, who actually you said you were going to. Bachelorette. Yeah. And I saw her live when I saw Quinn 92 and Christian French. That sounds awesome to me because I've wanted to see her perform live for a while. Yeah, I saw her. She opened with Christian French, if you know who that is, for yeah. Quinn 92. Yeah. How was it? Oh, it was amazing. They were all incredible. It was funny. I talked about it on the pod after I went to the show that I just went in blind because I'm a huge Quinn fan. Yeah. So I went to the show and we got there. I think the doors opened at 7. So we got there at 6.15 because we had GA seats. I did no research. I didn't want to look at the set list. I had no idea who the openers were. So we got there at 7. And they said, Quinn doesn't go on till 10.15. Wow. We, yeah, exactly. So we were asking the bartender who's going to perform for two hours. They said, no, there's two openers. We had no idea who either one was. And then when Christian French came out, I knew the song that he was playing. So I lost it because I might be a bigger Christian French fan than I am Quinn fan. But really cool. Have you met Ash? I have not met her. That's definitely still on my bucket list. So I did, I think what the original question was. um, How long did it take to produce Exoskeleton? So I did the first run through and I was all ready to drop it. And I actually sent it to him because we'd been working together for like a year now. And I was like, yo, what do you think of this? And he was like, bring it into my studio. I got a few things I want to talk about it. So I went down to New York and I was working with him for a few weeks on it. And we reworked the first verse. We reworked a little bit of the instrumental and made it what it is now. But it's not really that different from the original version. But I did the first version and then we took it into the studio and reworked it. So all in all, probably like a month for the whole thing. Oh, wow. That's really quick. Yeah. I mean, I know some artists record albums, so they say, in two weeks, which I'm always skeptical of. Yeah, I've always wondered that same thing. But I think that comes down to just the straight up recording process. You can get a lot done as far as just recording. But the the real taxing part is the mixing and the mastering and the little tweaks. Right. I've gotten to a point with myself that because I mix most of my stuff that I have everything preset so I can just lay it out and then I can get everything close to the sound that I want very quickly and then I'll send it out to have it finalized. He was super great about getting it turned around really quick. I told him when I wanted to have it out and he was like, no problem, we can do that. So yeah, shout out to Doug for that one. <laughs> shout out to Doug. So <laughs> what's the process like for you? Where do you start? Do you make the beat and then write the lyrics as they come? Or is it more of you have an idea, you start to write the lyrics and you have a bunch of beats and you figure out which one it's going to go with? I actually never just make beats. I know a lot of producers will just sit down and make 10 beats or something, but I always come up with a chord progression or something like that. I'll come up with something first, whether it's the chords or like a drum pattern. And then I'll usually get a melody 
idea. And then it ends up being the melody will turn into the chorus. So I'll start writing the chorus first. I kind of fill it in piece by piece. So it's a lot of doing one thing and then I'll get hyper focused on that one part, whether it be I want to find the perfect chord progression. Once I find that, I'll get hyper focused on building the lyrics for the chorus. But it all goes in really small parts. I totally understand that. I fooled around with rap myself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I always find that four bars come really easily. It'll be... Yeah, the thing in your head and you'll just keep saying it over again. And then that's usually the thing that you build off of. Right. And for me, the hardest part has always been when I'm 95% of the way through and I know that I need to tweak it and fix it a little bit. Yeah. But there's that little voice that says, this is so stupid. Just put it out there. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I haven't heard your raps, but whenever I get to that point and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm getting nitpicky. I usually keep going because I have this nagging voice that'll be like, oh, if you put it out now, it's going to be the lazy version, you know? Oh, 100%. Because usually when you think about, oh, that doesn't really work, it probably does. <laughs> like if you can recognize that it's not really working, but you're just like, oh, well, I might as well just put it out. It probably won't work to the listener. Oh, for sure. So that's why it's been great for me to work with Doug because he's a second pair of ears where I could be like, oh, I think this is done. And he'll be like, no, nah, there's this part that could be better. Got it. A lot of people have those people that they go to and they're like, I need a second pair of ears on this. For sure. I mean, it's definitely good to have that, whether it's Doug or your sister. Yeah. So would you say that Exoskeleton is the work you're most proud of to date? Or is there other stuff that the listeners should be listening to? Yeah, I'm very proud of the song. I did put out an album in 2014 called Rude. That's actually under my name, Ben Thompson. And I'm currently working on trying to get that over to the Ben's Been Dead page. But I put a lot of work into that album. I think it's not as pop oriented. It's a little bit more experimental, but I'm super proud of that. There's a lot of good songs that I actually worked with. I don't know if you've heard of Role Model. I do think I have a song by Role Model, at least that he's featured in. I was going to ask a few questions about Exoskeleton. What was the inspiration for the song? What drove you to write it? And was there inspiration for what you wanted it to sound like? Because I certainly have some songs that I think it sounds like, and I really like that sound. So I just wanted to hear what you said before I infiltrated and did a little inception. I'm the type of person who gets super inspired by what I'm listening to at the moment. So I'll go through phases where I'll be listening to one person and I'll make a ton of shit that sounds like that. But I don't like to just imitate people. So I try to put my own spin on things. I guess to start, the message that I was trying to convey with EXO was a little bit of rebirth, if you will. It's like shedding layers of past issues and past things that we want to get rid of and kind of starting over. So in the chorus, I say, EXO, dear skeletons, we've let go, sign the young and rebellious. So it's like you love the past and you love things that made you who you are. But at the same time, we're all trying to grow and trying to get rid of the skeletons, if you will, skeletons in our closet, the things that we don't like about ourselves. Sure. And one of the lyrics I liked that I wrote down was, especially because I like the pattern yeah. that you used was, I'm worried about how you're viewing me and my losing beauty sleep. I'll change who I grew to be, a new me. I can't wait for you to see. That fits with the theme really yeah. well. Those were the lyrics that I wrote down that I caught as far as really liking that, for lack of better phrase, sing-songy rap yeah. that seems to be pretty popular these days. Yeah, that's where my early rap influence came from. 
I do try to blend that into the pop sound. Yeah, I think it's great. So who are you listening to that is influencing this sound that you want to let inspire you, but you don't want to mimic the sound? I really think for that one, I've been listening to a lot of Black Bear. In a lot of his stuff, he's got that message of he does a lot of bad stuff, but he's also trying to learn from it and trying to grow. Maybe not in some of the bigger hits, but if you go into the back catalog, you can find some stuff where he's talking about that. And so I think at that time, I was listening a lot to that. And even Post Malone, I think his album had come out pretty recently. The Beer Bongs and Bentleys album you're talking about. Yeah. And a lot of that sound. I think the instrumental, I know for a fact that the instrumental was inspired by when I first heard Psycho. I was like, oh, I want to make something with that kind of sound with the dark chords and the trap production. That's kind of where that came from. But lyrically, it was listening to a lot of Black Bear. <laughs> I have a playlist called Always Down to Listen To and Psycho is definitely on there. I think I could listen to that song a hundred times in a row and never get tired of it. Yeah, same thing with Rockstar. I can't get tired of those two songs. You know, I felt that way when Rockstar came out. At the time, the car I was driving didn't have Bluetooth or an aux cord. Oh, yeah. So unfortunately, I was listening to Rockstar like six times a day, even when it wasn't my choice. (laughs) It still comes on the radio like every 20 minutes. So it can get old if you listen to the radio a lot. But I try to listen to it sparingly so that I can keep the magic of it. My fun fact that I read about Rockstar. Did you know that Joey Badass wrote that verse for 21 Savage? No, what? I know. Isn't that that crazy? crazy? Especially because I feel like Joey Badass is so not pop. Yeah. And it works so well. Yeah, that's like the probably the best 21 Savage verse I had heard up until that point. And people were freaking out about that. That's crazy. Yeah, the producer of that song, Tank God, he actually went to college with a friend of mine. And then as soon as he was just making beats in his dorm, and I guess he was in a New York studio because my friend goes to University of Hartford. He was just in a New York studio and he ran into Post Malone. He was like, yo, let me play you some beats. And the first one he played, Post was like, we're making this a single. And then he dropped out of college right after that. The producer or Post Malone? Okay. Post Malone had been... I was going to say, I don't know if Post ever went to college. As soon as he got that pl- that beat placement, he was he was done with college. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, he's still making royalties off of that. Oh, yeah. He's probably set for a long time. <laughs> now that you say Post Malone, I hear it when I think about Exoskeleton. But I also was hearing a lot of Bryce Vine. I don't know if you listen to him. Bryce Vine. Oh, my. Yeah, he's the one. What is that song? Drew Barrymore. Yes. I love him. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he also dropped a new song with YG called La La Land and I've been obsessed with that one for since however long it's been out. Really? I should check that out. I heard he came from The Voice maybe or... Oh no, I looked this up and amazingly he started his music career in 2010. Really? Which is amazing that it's been so long but he was on some TV show like Degrassi or something like that. No way. That Like the one Drake was on? Well, it wasn't Degrassi. He was on the Glee Project. He was on... Okay. Wow. Okay. So that is one of those singing shows, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's not Glee, but it's like one of the Glee-oriented <laughs> things. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's super crazy. Right? Yeah. He sounds a lot like... Well, when I first heard that Drew Barrymore song, I was like, this sounds a lot like one of the Miguel songs. I don't remember which one it was, but then the Drew Barrymore 
Barrymore song was growing on me way more than the Miguel song. And I was like, okay, this is a good sign that this guy is going to have a good future ahead of him. I hope so. I like his music. And for your sake, to me, anyone whose music I compare to Bryce Vaughn, that's like the genre that I love most right now. Yeah. Which is one of the questions I wanted to find out how you, I mean, you've already alluded to it a little bit with the rap and pop, but what genre would you classify EXO as? And is that the type of music that you're looking to continue to make as you move forward in your career? Yeah, it's a funny question for me because whenever I, even previous to this, whenever I was making songs, I would try to do promo for them. And there are all these sites where you can submit to blogs and all this stuff. And they're like, what is the genre? I would always end up hitting what I thought it was, but I guess I didn't know because people would be like, oh, this is a cool song, but it's not the right genre at all. (laughs) So now I feel like I try to generalize it as electronic pop or electronic hip hop. Okay. Well, I'm assuming you've heard the Old Town Road remix since you... Probably the fire verse I've heard all year. <laughs> oh, God. And I thought immediately, this is trap country. Yeah. I think Billy Ray Cyrus is going to drop the craziest trap country album of the year of all time because it's never been done before. <laughs> I hope so. And I will listen to it. Oh, absolutely. I'm big into Twitter. I especially use Twitter for Mom Spaghetti to try and keep up with what the artists are doing and what people are saying about the songs that they're dropping. And so that I have a clue as to what what's coming out because I like to allude to, hey, you know, next week this album will be out. I'm sure we'll review it, etc. But I saw a tweet in response to something about the Old Town Road remix that said hick hop. Hick hop. Love that term. Oh my God, that is amazing. Damn. Like when I drop the pod tomorrow, I feel like everyone's mind is going to be blown. Yeah. Once they hear that term, that's like, that's something you can't get out of your head. Hick hop. Wow. Right. It's over after that. One of the questions I had for you is we talk a lot about Bryce Vine or Post Malone as influences and maybe not Bryce Vine, but I know you were saying Black Bear. So who is an artist that you would love to collab with? Like if they hit you up or if your producer linked you up with them for a feature, you'd probably think I made it. Are we talking like a dream or like, damn, I made it because this person wants to work with me? Because there's some that I'm like, there's no possible way. The number one I would go to is Childish Gambino. If I could work with Childish Gambino, I would probably just end my music career after that because I fulfilled all my goals. Oh, don't say that. That's the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the number one. If I could get there, then, you know, that would be everything to me. But there are a lot of people like I would love to work with Black Bear. Khalid. Khalid would be great. Yeah, he would be super awesome to work with. Yeah, I think just to simplify it, I think Childish Gambino is the one for me. Cool. Did you get a chance to listen to Khalid's album last Friday? I just started playing it on my way home from work today, and I got through the first two songs, and I'm already singing, I think it's called Bad... Bad Luck? Bad Luck. I, yeah, I still have that stuck in my head, so I can tell it's going to be good, because if the second song you already have stuck in your head, then it's got to be good for the rest of it. Yeah, I liked Bad Luck, so if you haven't gotten to My Bad, which was released as a single before, I was obsessed with My Bad when that first dropped, and then I heard Bad Luck and I was confused because I thought it was the same song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think actually when I was looking at it, I just ended Bad Luck as I parked my car and the next song was My Bad. So I was like, oh, wait, is this the same? But then, yeah, okay. They do sound very similar. Really? Yeah, I'm warning you of that. But I won't spoil the album. I'll let you get to it on your own time. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to hear the full project. It's like 17 songs. I got to take the time to sit down with it, but I'm excited. Yeah, he really jammed it in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
So XO is the first song. Well, I saw you were featured on a song. And I think I got the chance to listen to it as Ben's been dead. But XO is really the first song for you with this new shell. If you want to continue with the theme. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm rolling with it. <laughs> so what is next for you? How do you envision the process? My assumption would be that you would like to put together a full album. Yeah, I'm still learning a lot of the proper way to roll out music. As far as, you know, when you get into the algorithms of Spotify and quarter one, quarter two, all this stuff I knew nothing about. And I've always been the type of person who loves putting together full albums. Even before I put out any music that got heard by anybody, I put out these crazy, weird, full albums. My gut is to go that way, but I know that the smartest way to build an audience and grow a following is to go through a couple more singles and then probably work on like an EP. So I'm taking it relatively slow right now. I think I'm working towards a second single and then I'll probably work towards by the end of the year, a smaller project, not a full length album, but yeah, like five or seven tracks. Yeah, something like an EP. That does seem to be the way that the industry is going. Last week, I reviewed Billie Eilish's debut album. I don't know if you follow her at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had an EP that she dropped in 2017 and she's been building buzz off of that. And then she did what you're talking about, where it seems to be the path of the industry. I know that Ariana Grande said she was frustrated. She felt like the rappers all get to release songs one-off whenever they want, and it doesn't have to be part of an album when they release it. So she wanted to start rolling it out that way. And it seems like, I mean, she runs the female pop industry right now, I'd say. For sure. And it seems like that's the direction that the artists are headed. It's like dropping EP, build buzz, maybe take one or two from the EP and put that on the album, but do a slow rollout of singles as you complete some of the best ones. And then six months later, release the full project. Yeah, it's kind of annoying how almost mathematic it's become. Everything is so, I mean, you literally just spelled it out the way that they tell you to do it. And it's like, I always came up like, oh, it's so cool to put together a full project and work on the track listing and how one song flows into another song but we've kind of lost that especially in the pop world of just it's exactly what you said you put out a single for a feeler and then if it takes off especially newer artists like myself you know if you don't have a following it's like you got to see how the first one does and it just doesn't make sense to put out a full project onto quote-unquote deaf ears there's nobody listening so it just makes the most sense I guess to put out single after single and continue building until it's worth putting out a project but I don't know I think it's kind of taken a little bit of the fun out of it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I mean, it's a balance of doing the art the way you want to do it versus doing it a smart way, you know? Oh, for sure. And that's been my big relationship with music is trying to figure out and sometimes I take it upon myself and look at myself in the mirror and ask, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm such a basic fan. Just because the ultimate point I get to is I appreciate the artists for what they have done in the past. And I fall in love with their original stuff. And then a lot of artists seem to go the way of the industry. Yeah, for sure. And it just becomes, I miss their old stuff. Like, yeah, this is good, but I miss their old stuff. 
stuff and is it them or is it the industry? How much are they playing me as the fan? What does the artist think? So, you know, as the pod continues to grow, that's something that I really want to find out from different artists, their perspective on the industry. I would hope that in this landscape, it seems like even though artists have less control over the consumption model, it still seems like because of the proliferation of where you can platform your music and reach your audience, that you can still be you. And maybe that's naive thinking, but it seems like it's a little bit more in favor of the artist than maybe it was 10 or 15 years ago. It is. With platforms like SoundCloud and YouTube, where you can go straight up and just be like, oh, I'm going to put this up and it'll be ready in a minute. And it could literally be anything from a full song to you just yelling into a microphone. And it could be 30 <laughs> seconds long, but it's still up there. And That's what I do. I just call it mom spaghetti. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, what I'm starting to learn, at least, is there's a difference between the people who have a large audience of their friends and the people who have a large audience of people who listen to their music because they like the music. You know, there are people who support you because they like you and they support you and they support your music. And that's what you find with a lot of people who have these instant access and they'll put out music every five seconds. It can be a little bit too hard to keep up with, but the people who support you will always support it. Putting out music in a more deliberate way, I want to say, more timed and, you know, you work on the songs for longer, that's the music that is going to stay around for the people who don't know you personally and is going to hit ears that you're not originally going to hit. I don't know if I'm making a whole lot of sense. No, I was actually going to respond to that and say that that does make a lot of sense. And I can totally understand where as the artist, it can become frustrating. Like people want more now, but I want to make sure that what I give them is the best I have to offer. Oh, yeah. And that kind of goes back to your point of taking a while with the EP and not just releasing it single by single as it goes. Yeah, I mean, there are songs that I have right now that I'm like, oh, I want to put this out, but I can hear like, oh, I probably should have rewritten the melody of that verse because it sounds a lot like the chorus. Little things where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a complete song and it's cool, but if I want it to be something that, like Exoskeleton is the first song I've had that, you know, it's on the radio right now. People that I don't know. Where is it on the radio? In Maine. I live in Maine. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. That must be such a euphoric feeling to be riding around in someone else's car and it comes on the radio. Yeah. The first time I just hit the radio button and I was playing on the radio, I almost cried at that point. I was like, what on earth? And I know, you know, I've got a long way to go, but... It, the little milestones are super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. What was the question? I, I feel like I totally lost it. <laughs> we were talking about the demand for new songs versus feeling like you're putting your heart and your all into the music that you release as a full project. Yeah. So this was kind of the first one where I really did go back multiple times and rework a part and rework a melody for a way that might have annoyed me at the time. I've been like, but it's fine, you know, but I think as the results have shown compared to the other music I put out, it ended up working out in the end. Definitely. I mean, it's on my playlist and I'm going to play it for the people tomorrow night. Hell yeah. One of the things I wanted to say was I knew I had a song from Role Model. It's the one called Puerto Rican. Do you know that one? 
Patches, the Emerald album, actually has a really good feature from Patches. But yeah, yeah, that was one of his first singles, I think. And that was when he was doing more rap stuff. I think he's kind of transitioned more into like the indie pop world. Okay. But he can definitely rap. Yeah, I like that one. I found peace in a Puerto Rican. Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting, but I don't think he actually did. <laughs> it's a nice thought. <laughs> one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was as far as Emerald goes or for your original stuff under Ben Thompson, if people think, oh, I really like Exoskeleton, what are one or two of the tracks that you would suggest they go back and listen to? I would go back and listen to, there's a song called Change on my old Spotify. It's the last song I put out before I switched my name and it's a gradual transition into this newer sound. And the title track of the album Rude, the song Rude, that's another one that's not as upbeat, but it's kind of more tropical, chill, weird words to describe it. But no, I listen to a lot of that stuff. It's almost Kygo, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like a EDM. Yeah. If I were to recommend two, I would go to that one and I would go to change and I would even listen to the one I did with Role Model. You got it. It's also got the Canadian singer Lace. I think he's on Skizzy Mars label. If you listen to Skizzy Mars at all. Yep. I know who Skizzy Mars is. I don't listen to too much of him. Yeah, I, I used to listen to him super heavy when I was in high school, but I haven't really recently. Those are the three that I would recommend if I was talking to a person who's never heard any of my music. Okay. I wanted to ask, when you bring up Childish Gambino, he has a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite song? Like, what's your go-to when you think, I want to listen to Childish Gambino? Oh, wow. That's the hardest thing about him is that you listen to every project and it's a different genre almost. Like, you listen to Awaken My Love and it's like psychedelic funk. And then you go to Camp and it's like backpack rap. Yep. And then you go, I mean, because the internet is probably one of the greatest albums I think I've ever heard as far as a go-to song i feel like the worst guys with chance the rapper is definitely one for me that i can put on at any time and a lot of his singing stuff too like the song terrified on his new album i think he performed it not at the grammys but maybe like the vmas or something and he just gave this gorgeous performance of it that's the crazy thing is he has so much different content that you could be in the mood for anything and he would have something yeah i'm a big drake guy and that's how i feel about drake it's so weird because to me Drake is so criminally underrated in the fact that people talk about how much he's overrated but I'm like no this guy consistently puts out your favorite song all the time and he's the one with the master sorry I'm getting a fuck ton of text (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say unfortunately you're gonna have to find a way to edit that out (laughs) but yeah someone found your music (laughs) yeah holy shit Uh, (laughs) Drake he's criminally underrated to me because everything he puts out checks all the boxes of music quality but people are just like oh he's just a pop he's just an industry guy but it's like no he actually makes really quality music I didn't like More Life. That was the only project I never really got behind. Yeah, to me, that felt just kind of like a rush of trying to put out music before the end of the year, because I think he dropped it in like December or something after putting out a project in October. So I think he was just on a I have a bunch of leftover songs type thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Take Care as a full album, I think is top five for me is my favorite albums. I can listen to that front to back and not have to skip a single song. Yeah, I actually saw that question on Twitter today. Name an album with no tracks that need to be skipped. Yeah, no filler. 
that i think it's like 12 songs or 13 and that's the thing now is a lot of artists are trending towards putting out these huge albums because they know that they'll get paid more because streaming numbers will pay you and people even if they skip it they still get a listen for it if they listen to 10 seconds of it is that how it works yeah people know that if they put out big albums that they'll get more money than putting out a 10 track album versus an 18 track one yeah it's a weird way to do it but i think the ones that are 12 tracks and condensed I think Take Care was around there and that to me is there's not a single track that I'm like oh you kind of mailed it in on this one I think Take Care was more than that I thought it was closer to 20 yeah it was 18 oh wow was there bonus tracks there were two bonus tracks that made it 20 total wow okay I was wrong but <laughs> but the point still stands. No tracks worthy of skipping. <laughs> so, I mean, he did it well on that one. For sure. But yeah, I think Drake is definitely the top five for me. He was another one I was going to say for the artist that I would love to work with, but I still have to go with Childish Gambino. Yeah. Who's the best show you've seen live? Wow. It's weird because there are ones that are just no production value. They don't have the lights. They don't have the stuff, but they just put on an incredible performance. One I would say was, I don't know if you've ever heard Jack Garrett. I don't think so. A British singer-songwriter. I bought a ticket on a whim because he came to Portland. I live in Portland, Maine, by the way. And he came to Portland, and I was like, oh, I heard one of his songs, I think. And I was like, I'll just buy a ticket. It was like 20 bucks. And I get in there, and he didn't have a light show or anything, but he had pretty much every instrument you could imagine wrapped around him in this circle. And he would go through each song, and I think he played every instrument on every song. He was one of those guys who would build a loop with something, and they were all songs that he had already done, like he had already released and people knew the words to, but he would recreate them on the fly. To me, that, just from a musician's standpoint and understanding what he was doing, that was probably the most mind-blowing show I've ever seen. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, but I think the greatest show show I've seen as far as production value, lights, all that stuff, would be Childish Gambino on the Because the Internet tour. Or it was called the Deep Web tour. Mm -hmm. But he did so much stuff with when you were in the audience, you were able to post on this board that was on this big screen. He had did so much stuff that was interactive that I've never seen from another artist. As far as interacting with the crowd, it just made it such a wonderful experience. So I think that was probably my top, top show. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. I've been to all three of his tours. I actually just went to the Awaken My Love one. He puts on the craziest live show ever. You're going to see Lion King? I might have to, just to... <laughs> <laughs> just to support Donald Glover. Yeah. All right. So the last question, the hypothetical is someone buys you a vinyl record player, unless you already have one. Yes, I do have one. The question for the listeners of Mom Spaghetti is someone buys you a vinyl record player for a gift. And on top of the gift, they give you enough cash to buy five vinyl records. So this is the first five to start your collection. So Ben's been dead. Have you been thinking about this? Do you have your list of five? I have been thinking about it, and it's not going to be any ones that are like, oh, that's classic. They're just albums that I really like to hear. I honestly like listening to vinyl just as more of a listening experience. It sounds so cliche, but these are albums that are kind of current albums, but when you put them in that setting, it changes the entire thing. With that, I'll say number one would be Man on the Moon by Kid Cudi. Love it. If you listen to that on a record player and you just light a candle and don't do anything else, your mind be blown. That's the only thing we're lighting, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. 
<laughs> um, I was good. Yeah, I, I tried to censor myself. Yeah, another one, House of Balloons by The Weeknd. Amazing. That mixtape and that whole trilogy, you could play that front to back, the three albums, and you'd be totally fine. You're two for two in my book. Okay, all right. I would put Because the Internet on there. I would definitely buy that. I was waiting for that one. I think that one actually translates really well to vinyl. This is a surprise one, but my girlfriend got me this for Christmas, and it's one of the most listened to vinyls I have, and it's the soundtrack to the movie Garden State. Oh, if you've seen that movie? No, I haven't, but I know that's where... Oh, isn't that where the Shins song comes from? Yes, yes. The... Oh, what's that one called? New Slang. That's the one. Yeah, but that one, I mean, just personally for you, you got to listen to that soundtrack because it is so good. Just put that on if you ever have the time. I think it's probably a little over an hour or something, and oh my God, your mind will be blown at just the way that the songs transition into each other. You're one of the first people I've asked this question who's given me a soundtrack. I like that answer. (laughs) But that's the one I always, when I'm like, okay, I kind of want to listen to just the record player, and then I'm like, I'm just going to put that on again. Last one would probably be Kid A by Radiohead. You know, I've seen that listed in a lot of articles and lists as like the number one album of the 2000 to 2010 decade. Oh, my. I was just having this discussion with somebody and I'm I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. It's not something I go to all the time, but that was the first Radiohead album I heard. And I guess when I was talking to somebody, they were like, no, that's so different from the original Radiohead. They pretty much turned everything on its head. They were doing their original sound and then they were supposed to make another album and they just did a complete 180 and made Kid A. And that album over all their other albums gravitated towards me the most. So yeah, if that's my number five, then yeah, those are my five. So wait, so I got Garden State, Man on the Moon, Because the Internet, I know I'm missing one, and uh, Kid A. Oh, House of Balloons and Trilogy. That's solid. I really had to think about that one, and I wanted it to be something that's not like, oh, this guy's lame, you know? Well, I think about that too. And when I ask people that question and then they flip it to me, I really have to preface it with, I have 20 to 25 albums that I could sub in to that top five on any given day. Yeah. And it just depends on the mood you catch me in and the, and the day you ask me that question. That's universal to music. You know, people who are like, oh, these are my top five songs. I'm like, I don't know, man, for me, it changes every day, you know? Oh yeah. There's not five songs where I'm like, this is it, this is it. And there's not five albums. It's like, Oh, well, today I'm in this kind of mood, so I want to listen to this. Definitely. Well, I will always be in a exoskeleton mood. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I I hope everybody's in an exoskeleton mood. (laughs) I hope so, too. What was I going to say? Is this because I've sworn a couple times? Is this a clean podcast? It's funny you ask that. No, in the first few episodes, I cursed a few times and my mom is one of my biggest fans. Yeah. She listens to every episode. Wednesday nights is when I record. Yeah. She doesn't know how to use Spotify. So she she listens on SoundCloud and SoundCloud's the first one that has it up because that's where I upload them. Yeah. And so she always texts me as soon as I send it to her. She listens to it. And sometimes I'll wake up to text on Thursday morning 
Stop cursing. <laughs> when I send my parents new songs, I'll be like, oh, I just worked on this. And they'll be like, it's cool, but you didn't have to swear so much. <laughs> yeah. Come on, just listen to the art. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my mom was frustrated and I said, all right, I'll try beeping. So I beeped for a few episodes and I had some friends text me and they said, dude, either don't curse or curse. Like, don't <laughs> beep. It sounds so ridiculous. Yeah, it's just like beep, beep, beep. Yeah. I think I swore a few times, but I don't think it was a crazy amount. So you can go either way with it. You have my permission. <laughs> well, I don't really know. So this is actually my first interview for the pod. So I appreciate you taking the time. Before I let you go, Ben's been dead. Do you have anything that you want the audience to hear? I'll make sure to put this part in, I promise. Or if there is stuff coming that people should be on the lookout for if they liked Exoskeleton. Yeah, I would say just keep listening. If you like Exoskeleton, I have so much more in the tank that's just like that. But I also, there's so much diverse music that I'm about to put out. Just keep your ears open because I have a lot more in store. All right. Well, I'm really excited. Only two more things. When I have people send me a song that I wind up featuring on the podcast, it's Mom's Spaghetti. That was the only thing I started with, and I've wound up coming up with so many additional pieces to the podcast. Like the playlist for each episode is called The Sauce for okay. that episode. And then I was basically freestyling one episode and just blurted out that if you send me a song and you get featured and you get a shout out on the podcast, you're part of the Parmesan Posse. Parmesan Posse. <laughs> I love that. Damn. Yeah. So people have really gravitated towards that. And like, it's amazing how if you make something barrier to entry, that people just flock to it. So people send me a ton of music. The point is, as an artist taking the time to interview, I'd love to induct you into the Parmesan Posse. And what that means is you can choose a throwback Thursday track. Since I drop it on Thursdays every week, the beginning, the intro is always me talking over the beat of the throwback track. Yeah. And then the outro of that episode is the throwback track. You don't have to let me know now, but when you come up with a throwback song. First of all, you just made my day by allowing me into the Parmesan Posse. So thank you. Oh, I'm glad. You made my day by giving me time to interview you. Oh, of course, man. But yeah, wow. I'm going to think very hard about what I want the Throwback Thursday track to be because I have a plethora of 2000s R&B that deserves to be heard again. Right? The one rule is that it has to exist on Spotify because I have to be able to add it to the sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm sure I can fulfill that. This week, I chose Over and Over by Nelly and Tim McGraw. Ooh, the other hip hop. Yes, because I saw a tweet that said Nelly and Tim McGraw did it first. Yeah. So that Lil Nas X. <laughs> so that Lil Nas X and Billy Ray could run? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so that'll be this week. The only thing left for you to do, Ben's been dead, before you sign off is you just have to say thank you for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast and tell your friends because everyone eats. All right, I think I can remember that. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All right, thank you for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast and tell your friends because everybody eats. Yes, thank you. All right, awesome. All right, well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you.
having me on here. This was awesome. Of course. All right. Well, thanks so much. Best of luck. And I hope that when your EP drops, I can interview you again. Yeah, I am always down for an interview. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, I hope if I drive up to Maine this summer, I hear Exoskeleton on the radio because I live in Boston. Oh, you do? Okay. We actually put on a music festival every summer, August 3rd this year in Portland. If you actually are interested and you want to come, it's like all the best musicians from the Portland area. Very cool. Are you going to be performing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was going to say, if you say the best artist from Portland, you better be up there. I am up there, for sure. Excellent. So wait, the three tracks you said were Rude and then the one featuring Role Model. Yes, there's two featuring Role Model, but You Got It is the one that most people gravitated to. And then Change is another one. Change is the last one I dropped before I switched to the new name. So that's closer to the newer sound. Got it. I will definitely check them out. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you again, man. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thanks again. And thanks for tuning in, fans of Mom Spaghetti and Ben's Been Dead alike. New episodes of Mom Spaghetti drop every Thursday, so I'll be back then. As for Ben's Been Dead, you heard the man. We'll be on the lookout for new singles leading up to an EP by the end of the year. Until then, I'll have Exoskeleton on repeat. I'm Keith Cohen, your host of the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. One more huge shout out and thank you to Ben's Been Dead, and of course to you, the listeners. <laughs>